0: Haini ni pi hi pi pi hini karagi wazi jankish na hini karagiwina. Hanachni jankish-na, wi pi ach ji shana harachara-wi. mi he ham e woikabra e cha hingi wida jay i ji Good morning and greetings from the land of 11 nations, or as everyone else calls it, Wisconsin. I am doing fantastic, and I sincerely hope all of you are doing as well. What well, was so much going on in the world today, and yes, there is so much going on in the world today, I was thinking that maybe, just maybe, we could spend a couple of minutes together and just shut out all the noise from the outside world and focus on our little part of it here. Share some thoughts and ideas on the governing our nation, and perhaps even expanding the financial base of it, which benefits everyone, of course. Speak on ideas that affect our nation, our clans, our areas, our families, and us individually. First off, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you who spend some of your valuable time listening to this podcast, not lately, of course. Time being the second most precious gift that our Creator has bestowed upon us. It is of the utmost importance that I value your commitment and provide you, the listening audience, with the highest quality entertainment that we can provide. Now I really enjoy listening and reading feedback from you, the listening audience, but I've noticed something that is just a tad bit, um, I don't know the right word, but I'm hearing from the same people. Now don't get me wrong, any feedback that I receive is greatly appreciated. But statistics prove out that only a small percentage of people actually participate on social media. It's called the 90-9-1 rule. Now in most, most online communities, 90% of the users are lurkers who never contribute. 9% of users contribute a little, and 1% of users account for almost all the action. So the problem is, How do I convert the 99% of you into the 1%? The same goes for our government. How many of us actually participate in our government's operation? Now, as a point, I myself attend very few area meetings or listen to a lot of the meetings that are online during the day. Um, It's because of work, but still, I can and should make more of an attempt to participate, especially if I'm talking all this talk. This doesn't excuse me. No, it points the finger directly at me, though. Our legislature puts out information as to when area meetings are and when these um, special meetings are. So if I'm truly interested in the goings-on in our nation, I should make more of an effort. And I think, now this is strictly my opinion, that a lot of people have a negative view of our government, and then this opinion is shared and passed down to our younger ones. Now, our children and our young people grow up with this negative view of their government, and this cycle perpetuates. Or, as individuals, we've had a bad experience with our government, and this has shaded our opinion. Now, there's lots of people who say, I'm not in that negative group, and I do participate, and I think our government is doing great things, and I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, this works too, because things can't be all that bad. And I see people working hard and trying to share services and help their people. Now, whether you see the glass as half full or half empty, it doesn't matter. Participation in the running of our government and or our nation is necessary to, its functioning to ensure it functions smoothly. Now, the same goes with the participation of this podcast. Things only work when we have people who have thoughts and ideas to share. So, share them participation is all I'm talking about. We have to motivate everyone in our nation to participate in our government, in our language, our culture, in everything. Young, old, District 4, Black River Falls, participation is the key here. As Nike likes to say, just do it. Now if you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, ring me up if you have my number. I'm in my office pretty much 24-7 and I would really enjoy hearing from you. Now, if talking on the phone to strangers isn't your thing, you can email me at moneycucksick at com. That's M-A-N-I-K-A-K-S-I-K at gmail.com. If that doesn't work for you, we're also on Facebook. Just first, uh, just search Porque and up will pop. Twitter and LinkedIn are also options along with Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Yes, public law... is still being used in Wisconsin. It was enacted in 1953 and gave five states, including Wisconsin, extensive criminal and civil jurisdiction over tribal lands within the affected states. Public Law 2.80 was passed as part of a broader policy of termination, which aimed to assimilate Native Americans into the dominant society and terminate their tribal governments. This means states could take over law enforcement and criminal justice on tribal reservations without the consent of the tribes. In Wisconsin, Menominee Reservation is the only uh, reservation in the state that is not subject to PL-280 jurisdiction. I bring this up because recently there's been talk of disbanding the Ho-Chunk Police Department. An agreement has been drawn up to continue the policing of trust lands to Jackson County, and an amount of money that the federal government award Jackson County for year 2024. Obviously, Public Law 280 was passed well before we had organized into the government of Wisconsin-Winnebago and well before a police department was created. Now, PL 280 does not mandate that the federal government provide financial support to states that take over law enforcement on tribal reservation, and this, led, this has led to severe underfunding of tribal law enforcement which has made it difficult for tribes to protect their communities. PL 280 has been controversial since its inception, and it has led to a number of problems for tribal uh, communities, including increased rates of crime and violence among Native Americans, reduced tribal sovereignty, difficulty assessing justice, a lack of accountability for state and local law enforcement agencies. Now, one of the most egregious examples of county predatory policing was back when the county police would patrol Ho-Chunk communities after per cap and look for DUIs and then going to individuals' homes and taking individuals into custody who had warrants because the county knew the individual Ho-Chunk had money. Another example is that Ho-Chunk County has to spend X amount of time on trust lands patrolling, but a lot of the time they would just park and catch up on their paperwork. Now. In recent years, there has been a growing movement to repeal or retrocede PL-280 jurisdiction in Wisconsin and other states. However, Public Law 280 remains in effect in Wisconsin and is unclear when or if it will ever be repealed or retroceded. In the meantime, there are a number of things that can be done to mitigate the negative effects of PL-280 on tribal communities in Wisconsin. These include increased Increasing funding for tribal law enforcement agencies. Establishing cooperative law enforcement agreements between state, tribal, and federal agencies. Providing culturally competent training to state and local law enforcement officers. Developing protocols for responding to crimes on tribal lands and establishing tribal courts and restorative justice programs. By taking these steps, Wisconsin can help to ensure that all residents of the state including Native Americans, have access to justice and are protected from crime. Now, majority of these states are currently being undertaken by various uh, Native American tribes, including the Ho-Chunks. Now, under PL-280, the state of Wisconsin is responsible for policing on Indian lands. But normally, the cost would be shared by the community in terms of taxes. Now, how much does a nation pay Jackson County to police our trust lands? And is this why the grants are so important? I don't know on either account. But reading from the tentative agreement, in 1953, with the passage of the Public Law 280, the federal government granted criminal jurisdiction over Ho-Chunk Nation members. Now remember, this law was passed before the Ho-Chunk Nation was enacted or created. So I'm just kind of throwing us in there. Uh, who commit major crimes on Ho-Chunk Nation lands for, to the state of Wisconsin. Now, although the nation possesses police powers, which are inherent to Indian tribes, it has only recently started to exercise criminal jurisdiction over its members on Ho-Chunk lands. Consequently, Jackson County assumed a key law enforcement role on Ho-Chunk Trust lands. Now, as a population in the areas increased in recent years, including on Ho-Chunk Nation lands, such as Sam Pillow Village and Indian Mission, so has the need for law enforcement services. The increase in the need for law enforcement services has, in turn, increased the need for funding to pay for such services. The county is obligated to provide necessary law enforcement services. The funding, the funding provided by this grant will supplement existing federal levels and assist Jackson County in meeting this commitment to the Ho-Chunk Nation. Unquote. Now, the proposed agreement goes on to state responsibilities of Jackson County, expenditures of grant monies, and all of the coordination between the county and the Ho-Chunk Nation. One of the arguments made for Jackson County policing, and therefore the money, is the population rise in Indian communities. Now, a rise in population doesn't automatically correlate to a rise in crime. So I think a 10-year study in population growth and crime statistics might be in order. If there is no substantial rise in crime, what are we paying for? Higher policing policing salaries and equipment? A couple of questions have been raised as to the present viability of our police department and possibly its future. Number one being, with Jackson County doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of policing, do we need a police force? Is this simply a duplicated service that we are wasting money on? Has anyone done analysis on our police department in terms of arrest, felony, or misdemeanor citations? On a similar note, does the nation have a probation officer? How many clients does the nation's probation officer have? Does the nation have a criminal prosecutor? And if we do, how many cases has the prosecutor prosecuted? Questions looking for answers. And is Ho-Chunk Nation money being wisely spent in this area? Yes and no. Here we are presented with a real-life question concerning Ho-Chunk Nation sovereignty. Do we, Ho-Chunk Nation citizens, believe in our own nation's sovereignty? And if we do, are we prepared to sacrifice and work for it? The answer is obviously and unequivocally no. We don't and we aren't. Now, I don't want to get bogged down in the sovereignty argument we're here to discuss Public Law 280 and the Ho-Chunk Nation's Police Department. But this argument has a direct bearing on our sovereignty. Public Law 280 will, in all likelihood, never be repealed by the federal government, so we have to live with it. But policing our lands is a responsibility that we have to assume if we are to assume the mantle of a sovereign nation. Now, being a police officer for, for a community where Everyone, as a relative, has to be hell. We all scream about the drugs in our communities and why nothing is being done about it. Which is weird, because the people dealing these drugs are people from our own communities. We know who these people are. But nobody wants to rat out family or friends. But we all scream at our police for not doing their job. But family arresting family and friends is not something we're cool with. We like the anonymity of a police force that we don't know that can come in and take care of business while our own hands remain clean. In the end, though, this is a community argument. Those of us who live far from Ho-Chung communities can talk all kinds of smoke concerning Ho-Chung sovereignty. But in the end, those of you who live in these communities and live day-to-day under the local authority have to make these decisions. I can talk about Ho Chunk sovereignty all day all night till I'm blue in the face, but really, I think I'm one of the only people talking about it. Most chunks have no most ho chunks have no illusion about living under ho Chunk authority because it's not real. Jackson County is real, the state of Wisconsin is real, and the federal government is real. You look at our area meetings, our general counsel and or our voting participation, so you tell me. Do we continue to see control of our sovereignty in little bitty chunks under the guise of dollars and cents? Or do we bite the bullet and take control of our own lands? Personally, I would like to see more training, more money spent on the Ho-Chunk Police Department. I would like to see more of our people buy into the concept of community policing. I would like to see the nation step up and fight for our own sovereignty instead of stepping aside and inviting more federal control. Public Law 280 was, and is, a termination tool for the federal government. That's fine if you have differing views on PL 280. I invite those differing views. But, as a public official, if you work to perpetuate this law on your own people, instead of looking for ways to strengthen the laws and public institutions of your sovereign nation, why are we allowing you to lead us? Simply out of convenience? District 3 held their special runoff election the 27th of October to elect a representative for the vacant uh, District 3 seat. 3 The job was accomplished and a big congratulations to Lambert Cleveland for being elected. I want to give a huge shout out to Andy Cleveland for running such a spirited campaign. You definitely deserved better. I think there is uh, definitely a future for you going forward. Now, according to information published by the Ho-Chunk Nation, as of May of 2023, there were 1,549 eligible voters in District 3. The district had a total of 188 votes counted for the special election. So according to my math, we had a 12% voter turnout. Hmm, not good people, not good. Now, according to my jaded way of thinking, we did not make quorum, so that seat should stay empty. According to our Constitution, to make quorum, we need 20% of eligible voters eligible voters, to attend general council. If we don't meet that threshold, we don't make quorum. We don't make quorum, we don't have a legally constituted general council, we can't conduct any of the nation's business, and we all go home. Now, we need 30% of eligible voters to pass a secretarial election. If we don't meet that threshold, we don't pass or defeat the proposal, and the election is moot. Now, if these rules are good enough for our legislature, our general counsel, our secretarial elections, why not our elections for legislators, judges, and president? We used to have five people to run a nation when we were at the WWBC. The number of legislators has grown but only to meet a self-imposed number that was drawn up. If not enough people care about a particular office, why should we fund it? This is nothing against the candidates. In this last election, or any of our previous elections, this is a condemnation of us, the electorate. Twelve percent? Really? Really? I brought up two examples of the rules surrounding two of our institutions and how quorum requirements were and are instituted. But let's delve a little deeper into what a quorum is and why it's required. Now what is a quorum? A quorum is the minimum number of voting members who must be present for for business to be done. The reason for a quorum is obvious. If a minority commits the organization to take action without the rest of the organization being informed or engaged rampant unfairness could result. Now there are several drawbacks if the majority of our people don't participate in our elections. One, our government is less representative of our people. If only a small percentage of people vote, then the elected officials will only be representative of that small percentage of the population. This means that our government may not be responsive to the needs and concerns of the majority of the people. Two special interests have more influence. When voter turnout is low, special interest groups have a greater influence on elections and policy making. This is because special interest groups are more likely to be organized and motivated to vote than the general public. Three, our democracy is weakened. Our form of government, our representative democracy, is based on the principle of popular sovereignty, which means that the people, us, you and I, are the ultimate source of political authority. When we, the people, don't vote, we are essentially giving our political powers to others. This weakens our government, our democracy, and it makes us more vulnerable to authoritarianism, which I think a lot of us are well aware of in our government's present state. In short, low voter voter turnout is a serious problem for our democracy. It seriously undermines the legitimacy of our government. It makes it more difficult for our government to truly represent the interests of all of our people and gives special interests more influence over our policymaking. I'd like to ask the question about why we have such low vote turnout for our elections. What's the cause of our apathy, cynicism, and the feeling of being disenfranchised from our government? Is this form of government just too foreign to us? Do we not believe in it? If not a representative democracy, then what? A benevolent dictatorship? A committee? Revert back to clan leadership? What? It's important for us to figure this out because, as I keep saying, in the end, we are a political construct. And if we don't care about how we govern ourselves and we don't show Jackson County, the state of Wisconsin, and the federal government that we are a nation, then that leaves us vulnerable. It's just another day for all these political entities and they will roll over all of us and throw us on a trash heap of history if we don't stand up and make sure that people recognize us as a nation. In the meantime... Let's look at my idea. We don't meet a threshold, a quorum for these elections. Let's just let the office remain vacant and throw that money into the healthcare pot. If we don't care how or who we are governed by, let's use that legislative salary something we can all agree is beneficial. Hey, I just wanted to explain Uh, to everyone why I haven't posted an episode for the past couple of weeks. Basically, it comes down to me to being a technological troglodyte. There, I said it. You happy? Last Christmas, my wife bought me a mixing board, some mics, and headphones, and told me, go crazy. Well, I was very excited to say the least, but I was also very scared. So I took the equipment out of the wrappings and placed them very delicately in my office on one of my desks. I have played with them occasionally, but I never took them out amongst the peoples I told everyone I would. Adding to my disgrace, my daughter bought me a subscription to OB Audition and told me, this is going to make your podcast sound so much better and it will make it so much easier to record and edit. Well, the end of October was the end of three years of doing the podcast and I thought, Well, self, I have this new gear and software and all it's doing is collecting dust. So now's the time. So, the plan was to break out the new gear and software and initiate my fourth year of doing a podcast. I was excited and a tad bit intimidated. But hey, I'm a grown man. How tough could it be? So, I looked at YouTube and TikTok and Facebook Reels and I saw children posting videos and mixing music and I says to myself you can't be that stupid children are doing it and doing it well so I look up the tutorials provided by both companies and I put everything together and son of a biscuit I'm doing it. There's a bit of a learning curve but hey I'm not stupid so I start writing and I start recording and then it hits. I am too stupid to live I'm not scared, though. I call up a relative and say, Hey, can I come up? Maybe you can help me with the equipment, show me how to use it. Sure, come on up, is the answer. So, off I scamper, throw everything in a bin, and zoom up north. Get there, set up the equipment, and all of a sudden, in comes one of my mom's. She pulls out her notes, and suddenly, I'm doing an interview. I'm terrified. But, I get the interview done, pack up, get back to my office and set up to listen to it and see what I have to do to clean it up and post it. I'm having a little trouble and I start pushing a few buttons here, a few knobs there and because uh, the button's being available and the program being there and in 10 minutes time, I have deleted the interview and I have frozen the software, I think. Well, on my way to throwing everything in the garbage, my wife intercepts me and says, "Maybe I should calm down a little bit, take the software and educate, edu- and uh, take the software and equipment, put it back in the office, and maybe we'll do the uh, education thing just a little slower." I'm not going to be a mixer slash recording guru overnight, is how she says it. So. For the foreseeable future, I'm going to slowly be mixing in the new gear. And I will venture back north and begin having face-to-face interviews as I planned for last year. It might take a little bit, but as I clearly stated, a technological troglodyte, I am. But I can and will evolve. So please, stick around and I'm pretty sure it'll get better. It can't get any worse. So, thanks to all of you who questioned me as to why I haven't posted any podcasts. I sincerely appreciate your interest in my project, and I just hope I can repay your concern with some quality writing and interviews going forward. Rakiri wida Well, here we are. Cha hingi du which means it's Native American Heritage Month. Personally, I'm not a big fan of this uh, government-sponsored Sado special month. It's just silly, in my opinion. We all know we are here, and we all know the work we have to do to remain relevant to each other and to all the relevant governing bodies and social media situations. But, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, so I'll play along, but just in terms of the Ho-Chunk Nation. Now, our Ho Chunk uh, Academy has laid out a 30 day challenge to all of us. It's really quite simple. Go to Facebook and search out uh, Ho Chunk Academy and up pops 30 day challenges. Read and there's an instruction on how to participate. I'll read from the site. Number one, follow us on Ho Chunk Academy. Number two, use the hashtag hashtag HC Lang 30 day challenge to share your creations on social media. Man, that'd be cool if we get a whole bunch of people to participate on social media with creations. Number three, check off each uh, activity completed in a month. Number four, email your completed challenge form to Ho Chunk Academy at Ho By December 8th, 2023. Number five, get ready to win exciting prizes. Now, anything we can do to motivate our people to learn and participate in the use of our language is to be appreciated and applauded. So, everyone, accept the 30-day challenge uh, thrown out by Ho-Chunk Academy and participate, please. So Hanach P. Narajina. She gave honey chawigi. Hira